0: Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to the Rebels Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the Star Wars Rebels animated series. This is episode 18 for season three. We're recapping the Star Wars Rebels episode entitled Twin Suns. If you're checking us out for the first time, my name is Matt, the Crankster, Cranky, your co-host, and let me welcome in the host and creator of the Rebels Podcast and the Thunderquack podcast network that's my friend from canada mike cohen what's up my friend how you doing
1: uh he will avenge us that is how i'm doing that is how (laughs) i'm doing
0: right
1: oh boy okay hold up before we get too far hold up moment of silence for darth maul oh my gosh right there you go okay
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah that's uh this character that's been around for what mike since
1: 1999 finally
0: wow Back from the uh, death
1: more than once.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got to say, and, and you're probably the biggest Obi-Wan fan that I know. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to hear what you have to say about this because, you know, we didn't get a ton of Obi-Wan in here, but we what yeah. we did was pretty fantastic. Well, so, let, I mean, let me that's... tell
1: you, first two-thirds of this episode, just, just take them, chop them off, roll it up in a, a piece of tinfoil, throw it in the garbage. It really doesn't matter. But, <laughs> yeah. um not to say that it's bad, but it's just t- like who cares um yeah. it wasn't necessary all we needed was the last ten minutes uh, I know yeah so so he it was back. great yeah it was awesome well uh, yeah let's uh
0: let's dig into that but first um just a, just real quick we got not a lot of news but let's just go in there and see Cheers what's going go. on all right <laughs>
1: Force is strong this week. Now, here's the latest from a galaxy far, far away. Roll right
0: away, sir. All right. So, starting off in the news, like I said, there's not a lot of stuff going on right now. You know, we got, like I said, last week, it's uh celebrations coming up, so it's it's really light yeah. on the news.
1: But they're holding everything back for a celebration. They, you know what? They are.
0: And and one interesting story that kind of came out just today, and we're going to get more of this as the week goes on in our push to the Rogue One uh, DVD and Blu ray and all that. Um, there's some details on the alternate survivor ending. And I'm sure, I don't know if you got a chance to read this, Mike, but um, obviously there was a lot of reshoots done and the story changed drastically, uh, I think, from what they started with. And basically, the story is about Rogue One and how this, you know, Jen and, and Cassian were, were to survive. They were to have the plans and they were going to take the, they were going to be picked up on scarf and shuttled away and then there was going to be kind of a confrontation with Vader out in the you know in the, in the sky or whatever you want to call it in the galaxy uh, and they were going to escape from there so kind of a pretty big difference from what we what we saw and I think the funny part was and and I think we talked about this and, and it was surprising I think to Gareth Edwards is that it was Lucasfilm that told him he thought like if he was gonna kill everybody that Lucasfilm wouldn't want that, Disney wouldn't want that because it'd be too dark. And so they go the other way with it to have some people survive. And then Disney goes, No, what are you doing? Let's you, you gotta kill all these people off. He's like, Oh, okay. Here yeah. we go,
1: let's do it. So I don't know, did you get a chance to read the story? Uh no, not really. I you know, um I don't I don't like rogue one, so <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not a huge fan, yeah there. so it's like I alternate <laughs> ending I don't care it's like that other thing there was this story about um, the reason why there's no deleted scenes from Rogue One on the Blu-ray and it's like, like I don't care I don't care what you have to say Gareth Edwards I don't care what um, what nonsense uh, PR they're gonna spout at us the reason why there's no deleted scenes on the blu-rays because they'll put them on a special edition blu-ray that they release either later this year or in two years or in three years or something
0: don't tell me that there are no
1: deleted scenes like disney is just holding on to that stuff for later dude Um, we shot like mm -hmm. half the dang movie there's tons of yeah (laughs) deleted scenes the movie is a deleted scene for goodness sake like yeah 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 like like that's the thing is that like don't 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 try and spin this this garbage on me so it's like yeah it's not surprising to me that there's an ending where where characters survive um it's uh yeah like the the movie the movie went through multiple iterations during filming so i uh, of course there's going to be an alternate ending in there you don't have extensive reshoots without addressing that really really big elephant in the room um yeah right but that said like i also don't care what the alternate ending is the ending is the ending um yeah i don't know i've kind of i i i and i think that the prequels did this to me i've kind of grown to i i really and i shouldn't say that the prequels didn't do this to me the prequels helped me formulate my opinion on this The DC movies, DC comic movies, are what did this to me. Uh, uh, You know, uh, Batman v Superman, Man of Steel, Suicide Squad. This nonsense that the extended edition or uh, that when you watch this one deleted scene, all of a sudden it makes the movie better. It's like, I really don't care. There's a a, a sports analogy that I'll use, and that's that you leave it all on the field, right?
0: Um,
1: In the same way, when you're making a movie... Uh, it all, it, it, the movie is up on the screen and when I see it in the movie theater and I pay $20 for a ticket, um, and that's $20 Canadian. So that's like, that's like, it's like, I don't know. Well, it's not that much. Actually, it's less to you guys, but, um, $20 Canadian is a lot to us. I uh, when you, when you pay that much for a movie ticket, I expect to see the movie, Up on the screen. I don't. I don't want to hear about like, oh, this this alternate scene, or this deleted scene, or oh, you really got to read the book in order for the movie to make any sense. Which is what we've heard a lot with, with Rogue One. Mm -hmm. Not to make sense, but for oh, if you want to know the whole story, if you really want to be invested in some of this stuff, you got to read the book. You got to read Catalyst, and it's like, you know what? I I no you don't. Uh, Gareth Edwards didn't write the book. Uh, Gary Whitta didn't write the book. Some, you know, uh, writer for hire that Lucasfilm and Disney picked out of the air wrote the book in order to coincide with the movie because they know that a bunch of the Star Wars geeks are going to go like, nah, you got to read the book. You know, you got to read the book, mm-hmm. you guys. And it's like, no, you don't have to read the book either. It's in the movie or it's not. So when you when you talk about you know alternate endings and, and stuff like that. It's like that it really doesn't matter to me because it's no different than than saying like, you know, Suicide Squad, it was all right. But the extended edition on the Blu ray, that's where it's at. Or or <laughs> I I that whole plot line with Lois Lane and Batman v. Superman doesn't make any sense in the movie, right? Unless you watch the extended edition and it's <laughs> This is all Peter Jackson's fault, and if I ever meet him, I'm just gonna shake him and say, "Why? Why did you do this? You it's made Frighteners. Hours, what? Man. What happened? What happened? Yeah. You made the Frighteners. <laughs> it's one of the greatest uh, uh, horror comedies of all time. And uh, and then he goes on to make uh, uh, the the Lord of the Rings movies. <laughs> and uh, hey, you gotta love those four and a half hour. <laughs> um yeah no it's like it so i don't know like obviously i we can have a conversation about it but i just don't seek that stuff out you know um if the movie is good like the force awakens was and then there are scenes that were cut for good reason i'm interested in what those are because as as a, a, a student of filmmaking i'm interested to see what those are but when your movie is a is a bit of a gong show and a tangled mess, like uh, like Rogue One ends up being, the further away I get from it, the more it's like, yeah, no, it's it's a fine Star Wars movie, but as far as filmmaking goes, it's it's a it's just a bit of a mess, you know, um, and it's very obvious. and then you hear these stories and it's like, I don't need to it's almost like airing your dirty laundry. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, and then while we were filming, Kathy Kennedy said, I don't like this scene. Let's change this whole story, <laughs> right? And it's like, really, at that point, you know, and it makes me a little bit worried for Obi uh, for Obi Wan, for Han Solo, that's wishful thinking on my part. Um uh for the Han Solo film and how that's gonna go. But Lord and Miller I think are a little bit more um they're a little yeah, I'm pretty bit more excited about that. Yeah. Oh, what's the yeah. word for it? I think it's just like attentive Gareth Edwards. Cause I followed really closely with Godzilla as well, which I actually like Godzilla. I think Godzilla is a fine movie. I think a lot of people think that it's boring, but it actually follows the pace of a Godzilla movie pretty, pretty closely with the exception that it has two extra action scenes in the middle that you're not used to getting in a Godzilla movie. Um, Mm-hmm. but uh, I followed really closely with that. And there was a lot of sort of, you know, well, it was this, and then it was this, and you can see it with the Brian Cranston character and how they used him in the marketing. And then you're watching the movie and he of uh, spoilers for Godzilla from like two years ago. Um, uh, Brian Cranston dies like, like 20, 30 minutes into the movie. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, whoa, wait, what? I thought that he's like the main character. It's like, no, Quicksilver is the main character. Uh, whatever that guy's name is. Uh, the Chris oh, Aaron Oliver Taylor from. Johnson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's the main guy. Um, and oddly, he's married to his sister, Scarlet Witch, in this movie. It's so odd. It's so <laughs> weird that they were like in that, and then the next year they're in this, and then it's like, what? Or was it even the next year? I think it might have been like the same summer. I I don't even know. But I I... The, the truth in that is that there was a different version of the movie that they had shot where Brian Cranston was around longer and they and then they killed him off uh, which is why it's so abrupt and it's just like it comes out of nowhere it's like yeah yeah he's dead um, so like this is the way that Gareth Edwards makes movies and that's fine like I, I that's it's one way of making movies I don't personally agree with it I think that you need to have a solid script and a solid plan before you head out there um, and then, and then you shoot to the script and if you find stuff on the day, that's cool. Um, you know, like little performance bits or like, 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 like let's throw this dialogue in here, but, uh, which, you know, like, uh, Empire Strikes Back is, is well known for this, right? Um, it's, it's like Harrison Ford and Irvin Kirshner would be like rewriting his lines, um, right. and, you know, punching up his dialogue and, and, uh, and working on that stuff like on the set and, and yeah, the most notable, yeah. the, the, I love you, I know, like he originally had like a big monologue and then they, like they worked it and worked it and worked it. It's in the making of the Empire Strikes Back book. Um, and, and eventually it was just like, like they, they came to the, I love you, I know, which is one of the most uh iconic romantic scenes in in genre film right? Um, right i would say maybe even in film like it's one of the best romantic scenes out there um and that happened on the set on on the day but you better believe that irvin kershner worked his butt off uh to get ready for that day and that's how they were able to get to that place because they were already on a solid foundation but, you know, I, I think that Rogue One was on a decent foundation and then, you know, there, there are certain things that they did that I think undermined it. And, and a lot of that comes out of um, the way that they recut the movie and reshot the movie. So, you know, that, uh, characters that had integrity, whether they were likable or not, lose that integrity halfway through the movie when all of a sudden they're standing in front of the the you know, Rebel Alliance council pleading their case and sounding like Princess Leia and it's like that's this is not you. You're not that character. Why are you talking like this all of a sudden? Um it's just a total change of heart, which for me is one of the places where I disconnect with the movie. The rest of it's just like, okay, I guess now it's an action sequence. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, I I don't know. Anyways, we didn't come here to for me to harp on rogue one anymore (laughs) nice shade on
0: rogue one folks look out yeah Uh, i just
1: you know i I understand everybody likes it i understand why everybody likes it i get it because you know i'm usually the person out there defending star wars from other people and and you know i i experience this a lot with the marvel movies uh whenever people bring up thor ragnarok not thor ragnarok uh, thor the dark world they're like oh that movie sucks. And it's like, it doesn't suck. It's just not as good as the rest of the Marvel movies. Relax. Like, it's still a good movie. It's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not a bad movie. It's got some, you know, it's got some second and third act issues, but you know, like, like lots of movies have second and third act issues. Um, but it's still better than most stuff. And it's like rogue one. It's still better than most stuff. It's still a great film. Um, yeah. it's just, it's just got so many of these glaring mistakes um, that proved to me that, that they didn't have faith in what they were doing. And I think that's the biggest piece. That's the biggest piece is that they were like, yeah, let's do this really bold story. Okay. Maybe not as bold as we thought. Okay. Let's kind of change a couple of these notes here so that it plays better with an audience. And it's like, no, just tell your bold story. It's a star Wars movie. It's going to make money no matter what you do. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. like, it's Star Wars. You can put out the most god-awful novels and comic books and mobile apps and I'm not even going to call them games because they're just these things where you spend money and get characters and then push buttons. Uh, they're not really – there's no real games to speak of. There's just these mobile apps and people just hand over their money like they don't even want it. Like it's not even mm-hmm. that big of a deal. You know, and it's like there's no need to 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 do better because people will just buy it. People will just take it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and they'll say thank you. And then they'll <laughs> stand in a lineup at Star Wars Celebration to have somebody sign something because they they have tricked themselves into thinking that they enjoyed the Aftermath trilogy <laughs> because it's the only <laughs> thing we've been given. It's like they it's like they were like, we got these table scraps of story development I can we like create a bunch of really, really unlikable lame characters, just put them all in a novel and then like dish out a couple of things. What Gentiles can be in the, in the prologue of one of them. If you guys want princess mm-hmm. Leia can be mentioned offhand in one of them. It's not that big a deal. Just don't do anything with any of the important characters. We want to save that for, you know, stuff that, that actually matters. Um, so they're just like tossing us these scraps and everybody's like, Oh, thank you for the scraps anyways
0: mike is on a roll right
1: now yeah Look i off. just i just want <laughs> i just want the era of 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 quality content to come back um
0: there, uh, it used
1: to be that that stuff was just a little bit higher quality and there wasn't as much of it now there's just so much and so much of it is just subpar it's just not yeah. you know
0: well, I, I've done the rewatch on that, and and like I said, I, I like it a lot more. the The, the more I watch it, I kind of like it more. And yeah, I, the one thing that it just it just puzzles me is, though, I don't know if I if I told you about this or we talked about this that I think it's just bizarre that the the final scene with Vader was something that they cooked up like at the very end, like, dude you guys have access to one of the greatest villains of all time, and you can pretty much do whatever you want with him. I mean, you can have him go off like like he did, and that was like, that had to be like a last-minute thing. Like, what were you doing? Like, come on. You had the opportunity to have him go nuts with the Force and the lightsaber, and like they did, like I said, like they did, but the fact that it was a last-minute thing, like you didn't have that already planned out. Like, man, that's that's crazy to think that like that would have been the first thing on my mind is like okay i'm gonna tell this cool story and they say i can use vader and and i can Mm -hmm. pretty much do what i want with it oh boy i'm gonna go crazy you know so that was just the only thing that kind of blew me away is hearing that that was kind of a last minute thing let's put this in there so other than that though you know i'm i'm on the other side i i I like the movie um like i said i didn't think it was as good as force awakens and all that but uh i i don't think i'm as uh, harsh on it like like you yeah. are but hey it's, you know, it's it's, it's fine good.
1: it's fine yeah. i know why people like it i understand why people like it it's just not for me it's yeah. just not for me it's a i yeah. i like my star wars movies to be a little bit more star warsy a little bit less um i don't know Fair. whatever i get was, that but yeah. Uh, yeah what else is going
0: on anything else or we're we just gonna go to recap
1: uh well one other thing that i got to get mad yeah. at lucasfilm for uh so they spoiled the ending of this episode and they spoiled it at 6:02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time um, mm. by posting the Darth Maul in memoriam uh, oh, video geez. on YouTube. Notifications went out to people who subscribe on YouTube, and uh, and so I got a notification at and it was that was the thing that reminded me like oh yeah, Star Wars Rebels just aired. It's like mm. is this this total spoiler of like and it's like you know. Yes, did I expect Darth Maul to die? Of course, of course I did. Did I need it confirmed before I watched the episode? No. <laughs> um, and I just think that that was that was a real uh, a real stupid move on the part of the Star Wars.com team, who are usually very on top of this sort of thing. Mm. Um, but uh, but at the same time, I, I Disney has been playing a little fast and loose with the marketing for several of their properties lately and not caring about the spoilers getting out or not necessarily caring about spoilers getting out, but more so just like totally disregarding the idea that you might spoil people by just putting information out there. Apparently they spoiled some um, upcoming, uh, upcoming Spider-Man storyline in the comics um, Mm -hmm. by just putting marketing out that, that straight up uh, spoils a major plot line. And, yeah. um, <clears throat> you know, like so they've sort of been doing that left and right recently. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's just, it. it was just one of those things that it's like, I, I expect better. So, um, I know that yeah. a few of our listeners were kind of pissed off and so was I. And, um, it was a little bit, it was, it's just kind of, you know, I, I going into such a big episode, just sort of puts a bad taste in your mouth right because you're like oh well I know how this is gonna end right yeah. so yeah. um I tried not to let that get in the way of enjoying the episode but uh I Ezra and Chopper's storyline did that all on its own so <laughs> uh, anyways yeah. uh with that I think we can get into it all right let's do it
0: you're in the wrong place <laughs> This is our rebellion. And it's exactly this moment I've been waiting for. Now it's time for the Rebels Recap.
1: Welcome home.
0: Rebels. Ah, Yeah. Alright, here we go with twin sons. Lost on the desert world of Tatooine, Maul is searching for Obi-Wan Kenobi. He can feel Obi-Wan Kenobi's presence in his mind's eye. In exasperation and rage, Maul cries out Kenobi's name. His voice reverberates through the desert and canyon. However, his chances of finding him seem hopeless, but he is overwhelming. Uh, but his overwhelming desire for revenge presses him on. So he conjures up a plan to lure out, uh, lure him out, and slowly opens his hand to reveal a fragment of the Sith holocron from Malakor. Mike, so we got um, this cold open, which I actually I kind of like this cold open here with uh, Maul roaming the desert of Tatooine. He's lost, searching for Obi Wan, of course. Yeah, uh, and and the thing is that he can feel. Uh, this is much like when Vader. Felt Obi Wan when he landed on the uh, on the Death Star. This is the same kind of thing going on here. Maul can feel his presence, and I know later on that Kenobi can feel his presence too. But it, but like they said in the Rebels Recon, this this planet is so vast, and and it, and, it, and they did a good job of showing that. As far as like the the cold opening was just showing this massive, just. Miles and miles and miles of just nothing, and this, you know, Maul's just roaming this thing, and it makes a lot of sense. Like it would take a long time for him to find somebody like that if he didn't have uh, some help with like the Force and the uh, the holocron. So he's roaming this desert, and uh, I just love Sam when we're playing this character, and that that scream he has in Kenobi, man, that just kind of makes your makes your uh, the hair on the back of your neck just stand up a little bit as far as uh, his rage and what at this point. He just wants Kenobi so freaking bad, and he can't wait to find this guy. So, uh, Cole, opening, Mike, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously they had to explain why I, I, it took so long for Darth Maul to figure this out. He knew where he was yeah. going, because he says in the in the previous episode, right? He says, oh, it, it ends where it began, something yeah. like that. Um, right. And so you know that he knows that it's Tatooine, so he heads there. We never get an explanation of how Ezra figures out that it's Tadweed, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Maybe, he, he saw it maybe they shared it in that vision? Well, he says t- it, twin suns, but it's like... I mean, there's, said, yeah, that's There's got to yeah. be more than one system with twin suns, right? Like, yeah, that's a yeah, uh, yeah. binary star system can't be that crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that we've found multiple binary star systems, um, mm. and we can't even, you know, travel to them. So, uh, yeah, I... I I don't know that that was a bit of a disconnect for me, but but I understand why why they had this scene with Maul, because it was it's to explain to us that this is this is why Darth Maul has not found him yet and uh, and and why there's still time. In fact, there was kind of infinite time because uh, he couldn't find him and he he pulls in Ezra in order Mm -hmm. to draw Kenobi out. Which it eventually yeah. does, right? So,
0: right, yeah. I tell you what, this, this, the animation on this thing was just flawless. I got to, I downloaded this thing, which I've been doing that. I, I should have started doing it at the beginning of the season, but I used the on demand thing and I downloaded it in HD, which is kind of weird. I can download this ep- these episodes in HD on the, uh, you know, the, on my Dish Network, but if I watch them live, they're not in HD. It's so mm-hmm. bizarre. Anyway. The, uh, man, it's just freaking gorgeous, though. The animation on this and the, and the and acting yeah. and the sound and the uh, voice acting. We'll talk about that later. But, jeez, it was fantastic and, and, and just beautiful. So uh, I just wanted to mention that before we go on. What's next, Mike? Where are we at? Uh, uh,
1: meanwhile, at Chopper Base on the planet Atalon, Ezra Bridger is sleeping in his bunk above Geras Eberleos when he is awoken by a faint recording of Kenobi's voice emanating from Kar- Kanan Jarris's holocron. The holocron repeats Kenobi's warning to the Jedi following Order 66. Ezra enters Kanan's quarters where Kanan's holocron and the Sith holocron are stored. He finds Kanan's holocron repeating itself. The Sith holocron then glows red and Ezra hears Maul laughing. He finds his master, Kanan, standing behind him and tells his master that Maul is back. So a bit of a creepy scene. Takes a little bit longer than (laughs) it should, but that's fine. there's going to be a lot of that in this episode Um, the thing that kills me the thing that kills me is that in the Rebels Recon Dave Filoni is like yeah and then we had this storyline and we had this storyline and it was going to be this really like this sort of treasure map to find Darth Maul and all these characters would sort of lead him along the way Um, but we cut all that and I was like you Mm -hmm. cut all that (laughs) why did you cut all that because the story that you have is Ezra wakes up Ezra looks at a holocron. Ezra goes, I got to go to Tatooine. Everybody goes, don't go to Tatooine. He goes to Tatooine. Right. Yeah. And then he wanders in the desert for no reason. He just wanders in the desert. And it's like, this is like, you, you're telling me that you had a story. You decided not to tell it. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, well, maybe it didn't fit in one episode. You had a two episode story of Ezra going to Tatooine with Kanan to find mm-hmm. Darth Maul and running into Obi Wan Kenobi. And you, you cut it down to one episode where half that episode, two thirds of that episode, is Ezra wandering in the desert. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Why would you do that? Like, yeah. Double Agent Droid was a totally pointless episode. Cut that garbage. And mm-hmm. do a two-episode storyline where Kanan and Ezra go to the go to Tatooine, and and track down Obi Wan Kenobi. Like like like, mm-hmm. you can still have it that at some point they get separated and Ezra ends up in the desert by himself, um, mm-hmm. and and is rescued by Obi Wan. If all you want is for Ezra to interact with Obi Wan, like you don't want the rest of the team to be there. That's fine, but I at the beginning of this episode, that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought that, that Kanan and Ezra, like it was going to be like when they, um, when they go with with with, Ahsoka, off to. Whatever that planet was called, I can't remember, um, to the Sith temple, and mm-hmm. and end up encountering Maul and and mm-hmm. Darth Vader, right? Like, right. I thought it was going to be another one of their sort of like. Like and then the Jedi have to go deal with this, right? Like, like, oh, this is Jedi business, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But instead, Ezra just kind of takes off on his own. But yeah, uh, yeah. So, so this is the first of many scenes that take way too long to tell. Um, yeah, well, that's uh, what
0: they were supposed to do, right? It was supposed to be Kanan going with them, and they—that's when yeah. they decided not to do that. Yeah. Right. Well, I like this part where, you know, we get the actually the message from Obi Wan. Here is here is Ezra seeing. And this is the same message that he did in Revenge of the Sith, uh, just before him and Yoda took off, you know, and, he, and just before he sees the hologram of, uh, Anakin turn into Vader. So same dialogue there. The whole, the whole message is the same. So I thought that was kind of a cool little thing, but yeah, you know what? I didn't mention it at the top of the show and, and maybe we'll get to it more as we finish up and kind of give our, our opinions on the thing, but you're right. Like, like wow, it, it could have gone either way. Like you you did, did you even need Ezra in this episode? I don't know. Yeah. Like you could have just done a thing with just how cool would it be just an episode with just Obi Wan and Maul and them to kind of back and forth and and maybe the, you couldn't do a twenty two minutes on that, but I don't know. You know, it's it's a tough one. Like I said, maybe we'll talk about it more when we when we get to the end. But um, this this episode definitely had some had some divide in it as far as the fans like i remember what, as soon as this thing hit like on twitter it started to go crazy like there was a lot of negative stuff coming about about this episode yeah and i'm like wow you know and but then a lot of people said well then i watched it another time and then i watched the recon and then it started to make a little more sense but but yeah this thing was one of another one of those where it just people who loved it or just didn't didn't get with this, at least this first part, like you're saying, Mike. So we'll talk about that more maybe at the end. Um, I'll continue. Ezra, Kanan, Hera, Rex, and Commander June Sato and Chopper meet in the base's command center to discuss the news. Kanan is unsure what the Holocrons are trying to say, but Ezra believes that Master Kenobi's life is in danger because Maul is after him right now. While sympathetic to Ezra's hope that Kenobi is still alive, Rex tells Ezra that Senator Bale Organa has uh, reported Kenobi's purported death. Ezra thinks that Senator Organa is wrong and fears that Maul is closing in on Kenobi. Hera takes the young Jedi aside for a private word. Ezra argues that Kenobi is alive and could help the rebellion. Hera dismisses that idea that Kenobi is alive based on the re- reasoning that he would not be hiding on a backwater world. Ezra reassures her that he is enthusiastic about helping the rebels on the Lothal mission. Hera tells Ezra she understands what he is going through and allows him uh, to leave. So what do you think it means, Kanan? Uh, I couldn't really guess. Holocrons at times take on a life of their own, but as to what it means...
1: It means Master Kenobi could be alive and in danger right now.
0: Ezra, no one would like to believe General Kenobi is alive more than I would. But Senator Organa confirmed his death. Maybe he was wrong. We know Maul went looking for Master Kenobi. This could be a sign that he's closing in on him. Or it could just be a broken recording. That doesn't explain why I heard Maul's voice. But you've heard it before. You've heard
1: it before, and it was just a trick. Maul was manipulating you. I want to go to Tatooine to check things out.
0: Ezra, can I have a word with you? Training for the attack on Lothal. And nobody knows that place better than you. I need you to help us prepare if we're going to be successful. But Hera, if Master Kenobi is alive, think of what he could do for the Rebellion. If he was alive, do you think he would be hiding on some backwater world instead of helping us? I wish things were different. I really do. But right now, I need you here. There's too much at stake for Lothal and for us. You know I want to help Lothal more than anyone. I know. So, Mike, uh, you know, sometimes I forget that, like, here's a Rebel Alliance, and they all think that Obi-Wan is dead. I mean, everybody. And it's funny that even Bail Organa is obviously going along with the rules. He knows about Obi-Wan, and maybe and maybe Mothman might know at this point. I don't know it quite yet, but everybody thinks Obi-Wan is dead. And, and um, like I said, it's, Ezra's convinced here, but... Uh, it's it's sometimes I just forget that you know it's like oh yeah like yeah why wouldn't you just go to Obi but no man he's gotta he's gotta stay low he's gotta be on the download he doesn't want anybody to find him and nobody knows except for Bail and maybe a few others but I kind of kind of just that scene kind of reiterates what's going on right now in the universe and yeah and Hera hair is explaining that hey we need you for this we're attacking Lothal you grew up on Lothal you know everything about it all the every little inch and a nook and cranny of this place so obviously they need him on this on this uh, mission but he's gonna he, he has other ideas but uh, any thoughts on this mike about uh, obi-wan and what's going on with him
1: well I'll, i mean i'll just say that that's the best scene in all of rogue one right when mm-hmm. when oh yeah that was a great scene, you know when mon yeah. mothma's like general kenobi and you're just like yeah obi-wan <laughs> um but yeah, uh, yeah no i i <sighs> I don't know like there's there's a certain element of this where it's like okay like let's not get involved but at the same time I think for Kanan to be like no like you know last time it was a trap um, one of my favorite lines in uh, in in Revenge of the Sith is uh, you know like it's a trap well, what's next spring the trap. Yeah. Right. Like that's <laughs> yeah. like, that's, a that's, a, that's, that's how Obi-Wan does stuff, you know, like, and that carried over into clone wars. Um, I think that, that, that opening scene in revenge of the Sith really informed the character dynamic between Obi-Wan and Anakin. And, um, one of the things that I've always liked about Kanan is that he shares a lot of that sort of, um, that confident, I, I, I don't know, sort of demeanor that, that Obi-Wan carries himself with Kanan carried the same confident demeanor and, mm-hmm. um, and it, and it still has a, I I don't know, maybe, maybe what happened with Sabine has sort of changed him a little bit. Um, it's yet to be seen cause we haven't really dealt with Kanan a lot since that scene. Um, yeah. but I, I, cause I do think that, you know, he, he grew and changed based on that experience, but, um, It would be hard to tell because he hasn't really been on the show very much um he was in a stormtrooper costume last week just (laughs) being a stormtrooper uh but yeah so for him to be like let's not bother like he sounds more like uncle owen than he does like old ben where he's like let's just not get involved as opposed to you know if darth maul wants to to force a final confrontation then let's do it but let's do this on our terms not his which is i mm-hmm. think the canon that i'm a little bit more used to yeah so i don't know it just felt a little contrived it felt felt a little bit forced that the whole team was there going no don't do it um mm-hmm. i do like the idea that the reason why nobody goes looking for obi-wan kenobi i uh, and why he can go by ben kenobi in the desert is because like obi-wan kenobi is dead mm-hmm. right um And, and I also like the idea that, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi is dead in much the same way that Anakin Skywalker is dead. So, you know, I, I, I'm sure that Obi-Wan based on his, the way he talks to Luke, his way of thinking is like, no, Obi-Wan Kenobi died when he failed to, to, to stop Anakin, right? Or maybe even he, maybe even Obi-Wan Kenobi died with Anakin, on mustafar right like when when he says you know don't do it i have the high ground like and then he yeah. has to he's forced to you know you can kind of see see that part of him leave um and he becomes ben kenobi right mm-hmm. i i where was i going with all that i'm way off track i well no we just talked
0: about how <sighs> Everything's Obi Wan's dead. And oh, that. yeah, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. So, yeah, you know, like I, I like that idea that the whole galaxy thinks that Obi Wan Kenobi is dead because you have to also remember that, like, Obi Wan Kenobi was famous and yeah. Anakin Skywalker was famous. These, like, mm-hmm. they were the heroes of the Republic, the two of them, right? Like, they were in all of the HoloVids, they were plastered on propaganda, like, they were the Jedi. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there was a Jedi order, but the Jedi were Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. They were known across the galaxy. um, Maybe not as much on a backwater planet like like Tatooine, but but still like they're expected to be pretty famous. So for Obi-Wan to to kind of go missing in the desert is a little, you know, they, they needs a little bit of extra. Mm hmm extra cover. So I like the idea that Bail Organa has been telling people, "No, I uh I saw Obi-Wan Kenobi die." Yeah. Uh I saw that. I saw it happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? It's like, well, <laughs> yeah. why would Bail Organa lie? Right? Like he's one of the most trustworthy people, you know. So yeah. why would he lie to you about something as serious as Obi-Wan Kenobi dying? Right? Yeah. So when when mm-hmm. Harris says like if Obi-Wan Kenobi were alive, we would know and he wouldn't be hiding out. Um but We know why. Maul figures it out. I love (laughs) it. Yeah, he figures
0: it out. Yeah, that's just so great. Yeah. Go ahead,
1: Mike. Sure. Uh, The following morning at Chopper Base's busy hangar bay, a rebel trooper greets Ezra as the boy pushes several crates of munitions. Ezra claims the munitions are for the A-Wings. When the trooper does not recall receiving such orders, Ezra claims that the inventory droid AP-5 sent them. The trooper remarks that the droid's calculator must be going into overdrive and asks Ezra for the manifest. While the trooper confirms the authenticity of Ezra's manifest, Ezra takes the opportunity to disappear. Before the trooper can tell Ezra to take the munitions to the trainers, Ezra climbs into the cockpit of an RZ-1T trainer and takes off despite the trooper's orders not to. Ezra takes the RZ-1T trainer into hyperspace and flies to Tatooine. Upon arriving over the desert planet, Ezra is startled by Chopper who is stowed aboard the trainer. Ezra demands that Chopper tell him how he... Yeah, how he got aboard and adds, adds that he did not want the other rebels to get involved. Chopper squeals back in binary and Ezra re- reluctantly accepts Chopper for the mission. Ezra activates Kanan's holocron in the Sith holocron and tells Chopper to take them into Tatooine's atmosphere and adds to take their ship north by northwest. Um, I liked, I liked uh, I, this scene, despite sort of the, the Ezra storyline being a little bit too involved. Um, I this was a cute scene where where he yeah, steals yeah. it, and it was fun that it was like, Well, this is the training one, so that's why it's a two seater. <laughs>
0: yeah, so, yeah, I like that. There's another, there's another uh scene with, with Chopper that actually, we actually might get to here in a, in a second, but it's kind of funny too. Uh, he gets some personality because I wasn't like a huge Chopper fan, it seems like he always was causing trouble, especially the first <laughs> yeah. couple seasons. But, uh, but now he's starting to, be, uh, starting to be a little fun now. After bit disembarking, Ezra tells Chopper to stay with the ship. The holocrons lead him towards a glowing shard of the Malachor Sith holocron that Maul used to lure Ezra here. As he picks up the shard, Ezra hears Maul saying, Now you see, and realizes they have stumbled into a trap. Ezra and Chopper soon find themselves under attack from several Tusken raiders who have been uh, converging on the canyon. Under the cover of darkness, the Sand People attack the RZ-1T. Ezra returns to the trainer trainer fighter where he uses the force to hurl away a Tusken Raider threatening Chopper. Chopper flees with the ship and his rocket blaster and dodges blaster bolts. Ezra tells Chopper to find cover while he takes position under the fighter. Ezra is soon attacked by a Tusken Raider, but Chopper comes to his aid by spraying foam at the assailant. The other Tuscans concentrate their fire on the RZ-1T, causing it to explode. The jubilant Tuscan Raiders then raise their sticks and begin chanting. However, Maul arrives and cuts them down with his lightsaber. So we got some Tuscan Raiders in this episode, man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's the cost. This is what they do. You know, they, they prey on ships coming in and and kind of do that, uh, you know, attack in numbers and uh, go after people who are obviously like him. There's is two of them and two against, I, don't, I can't remember how many was there, six or seven of them, you know, shooting from above perch. It's... It's like uh, you know, it's pretty easy. But it's funny that that Ezra didn't use his lightsaber at this point either. Um, I was kind of shocked at that. It's like, hey, dude, you got a lightsaber, you can uh, deflect these things and do what you have to do with lightsaber. So it's kind of odd that he didn't use his lightsaber here. But uh, we got, and of course Maul shows up, and he's been he's been setting the plan right. He's been setting this trap, and he throws that uh, holocron out there for Ezra to find and kind of lure him. Uh, But he's still there, and. Attacking the Tusken. So, um, Mike, we got some Tuskens in there. What'd you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, like it, uh, it seems like they were kind of just added in so that it was like, Hey, remember we're on Tatooine. Like, yeah. Yeah, like you just sort of to to confirm that, but that's around here. Yeah. I, yeah, uh, that said it was, it was a, it's kind of a fun scene. Um, right. Didn't um, mean anything really, but yeah, but it, but it was definitely one of those, like we're on Tatooine. We better have some sand people um kind of like classic in, sound, people sounds yeah yeah, yeah. kind of like in uh in the phantom menace when it's like you know like the Tuskins in attack of the clones very important to the story the the Tuskens in a, in the phantom menace totally just there for like hey by the way you know this is star wars right <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. okay yeah they're, <laughs> they're shooting at the pod racers that's fine um yeah. <clears throat> but yeah i mean other than that i, I thought it was fine
0: yeah, yeah, no, it's uh like you said, there's um uh like you, you know like I said, they're they're there. And we got to use them, you know. We're on, yeah. like you said, we're on Tatooine, and, and hey, we got some do backs on here too. So we're gonna show those in a minute here. Uh, go ahead, Mike, and continue.
1: Yeah, uh, what are we on? Paragraph three here at daybreak. At daybreak. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at daybreak, Ezra and Chopper exit the canyon, find themselves facing an empty desert. Ezra then sees an apparition of Maul telling him to head into the desert. Using the Jedi and Sith holocrons, Ezra believes that Maul is out there and that they have to venture into the desert to stop him. He tells Chopper that he is free to follow the ridge and find a settlement. He suggests that Chopper can then contact Chopper base. After some thinking, a grumbling Chopper reluctantly follows Ezra into the desert. The two rebels are soon caught in a sandstorm. Ezra uses the Jedi and Sith holocrons to guide them, but the two are blinded by the sand. Amidst the sandstorm, Ezra hears Maul's voice telling him to draw Kenobi out. Uh, You want me to continue here? Uh, Uh, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Maul tells Ezra that his pain and sorrow call out to Kenobi. The sandstorm eventually subsides, but the two rebels are exhausted. Chopper's battery drains and the droid breaks down. With Chopper immobile, Ezra blames himself for not heeding Hera's advice. While waiting under the scorching sun... Excuse me. Ezra is tormented by Maul's voice, claiming that Kenobi is dead because of his actions. An exhausted Ezra then sees Maul looming over him and charges at him with a screen lightsaber. However, Ezra discovers that he only saw a mirage and succumbs to exhaustion and heatstroke as Maul laughs. So, what
0: is the. You know, is him seeing Maul in these mirages? Yeah. Is this. The effect of Tatooine, or is this something more force-related? Because I don't know. I was assuming it was force-related at first. Then you know they show him how he's starting to lose it, and um, is it is it just the fact that it's the Tatooine desert and he's heat stroke and he's seeing things? What do you yeah. think? Uh, I think both. Is it both? Okay. Yeah, I think both. Yeah. I think
1: it's a combination. I think the two things working together managed to to create this this scenario. Um cuz
0: I know he can hear through the force,
1: yeah.
0: Maul, but the fact that he keeps showing up in these mirages is like, okay, well which what is it? Is it the force kind of just kind of clouding his vision or is it more just the effects of Tatooine? But it, you're saying it, it could be both though. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's like I think that Darth Maul is using the effects of Tatooine to to create yeah. this yeah to create this yeah. scenario so okay. he's definitely like sort of pushing this on on ezra um, yeah that's that's my opinion um yeah. but yeah i mean they're and they're definitely channeling some sunny day in the void uh, in <laughs> yeah. this episode yeah. with the immobile yeah. droid and the 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 desperation but uh
0: yeah this also had that scene with um with Chopper and he's, you know, he's kind of over there deciding like what he's going to do. Is he going to follow Ezra? Is he going to go along the ridge? And he kind of looks back and forth and then he kind of he kind of bends over at his feet or whatever. Like, oh, great, yeah. I guess I'm going with you. So it was kind of a, it was kind of another funny little thing from Chopper, uh, him deciding to actually go uh, with Ezra. So um, that night, Ezra awakes to find himself at a campfire. He discovers that Chopper is near a power lamp and has been charged. Ezra also finds a dewback watching them. On the other side of the campfire, Ezra sees a cloaked figure who tells him that he is in the wrong place. The cloaked figure reveals himself as Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. Kenobi tells Ezra that he will help him to get, his, uh, to get on his way back once the boy has regained his strength. Ezra protests and says that he had come to warn him about Maul. However, Kenobi already knows that Maul has been hunting for him. He tells Ezra that one does not survive for as long as he has by being foolish. Kenobi describes Maul as an old and persistent adversary. When Ezra suggests fighting him together, Kenobi says that he has no intention of fighting Maul, but acknowledges this is now unavoidable. So we finally get Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, He looks fantastic. Yep. Stephen Stanton doing the voice,
1: knocking it out of the park. So Holy such a great rap is that great. Not Isn't just great? like this is the important thing. This is the most important thing about this conversation that we're gonna have. I mm. uh, we talked a lot last week about about um, voice actors and and you know by people who do sort of impersonations and mimics and that sort of thing. Stephen Stanton is one of those guys that not only can he nail the the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi of Alec Guinness's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Not only can he deliver a performance, but he did the homework, he did the research, and mm-hmm. he delivers the performance that that I think is pretty close to an Alec Guinness performance. You oh, know? Man. Yeah. Like he he brings that character back. Um, and then, you know, there's a couple of things that the animators do that I think was a little bit kind of like, okay, that's a little forced, but, um, or maybe it could have just been choreographed a little bit better. But in terms of the vocal performance, um, and then mat- matching that with the, the facial animation, uh, mm-hmm. they brought that character back to life. And, and, yeah. and I think it's amazing what they did. Yeah. Um, yeah. and Steven Stanton is, is, I think the biggest part of that, because without his performance, without him pulling from, and you have to remember that there's not actually a lot, <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. There's I know, a lot right? of Alec Guinness yeah. out there, but Alec Guinness is Obi-Wan Kenobi is very specific. Um, yeah. he plays that character very differently from, from a lot of his other performances on film. And, I. Uh, so you look at you like there, there are some very specific things that you have to do in terms of the way that you speak, the way that you carry yourself. And, um, you know, the, the, I think it's coming up, I uh, the, when he says, you know, that, that, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, the, the thing about truth, I can't remember the line right now. It's, it's, yeah, I think I have it. I think I yeah. have it. Okay. Up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like that performance is like so spot on. It's very much the certain point of view, uh, conversation and, uh, uh, but sort of a preemptive certain point of view. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, oh man. It's so great to have this character back and it's so great that they did it properly. Um, yeah. and they didn't overuse him, which I think is important. Um, mm-hmm. when I say that the, the first two thirds of this episode are pointless, I'm not saying that they're pointless because Obi-Wan Kenobi is not in them. Um, I'm saying that they're pointless because the story just takes too long to get to the point. Mm-hmm. But or not? Not I mean that sounds again like like I'm saying that Obi Wan should be in more of it. But there is no no storytelling happens in between. There's a little bit of storytelling at the beginning with Ezra f- discovering the the message and then everybody telling him not to go and him going. But then it's just a bunch of him wandering in the desert, which I don't think is interesting, and I don't know why Dave Filoni keeps doing this, but he does. Um, mm-hmm. But that said i i what we got of obi-wan is perfect it is it is perfect in pitch and tone and yeah. uh it's just the right amount um a little goes a long way and i, I yeah let's get through it because you know we got to get to the most important part
0: yeah kenobi um just real quick before you go yeah. and, and like i said earlier he just he knows just like just like on the death star he knows that maul's there and he knows that yeah it's it's coming to a close here. like they're gonna have to meet much like they did with with vader and in in star wars so that's kind of like this is like the first time we get that and then we see it again in a new hope so it's gonna be cool to go back to new hope and go man this is he's doing it again he's sensing things and he knows he has to deal with this problem so um yeah i was finishing up my here we got a lot of good stuff coming up here you want to you want to take this next one
1: yeah a long uh, yeah, when Ezra tells Kenobi that the Holocrons told him uh, he would be the one to help them destroy the Sith, Kenobi expresses surprise. Ezra adds that the Rebellion needs Kenobi's help to defeat the Empire. Uh, Kenobi responds that Ezra has what, he, uh, has what he already needs. That's a poorly written sentence. Yeah. And warns the young Padawan that he is already letting it go. When Ezra expresses puzzlement at why the holocrons would send him here, Kenobi tells him that Maul used the holocrons to manipulate Ezra's emotions, and thus altered the course of many things. He warns Ezra that Maul knows his fear and has manipulated the truth to, to get him here, where he should never have been. When Ezra tells him that the holocrons tell the truth, Kenobi explains that the holocrons only told him what he wanted to hear and believe. Kenobi warns that Maul is the only one to have benefited from all of this. At that point, Maul interrupts Kenobi's sentence and appears on the other side of the campfire. Kenobi tells Ezra to go. When the boy protests, he tells him that it is not his responsibility and stressed that he will mend the old wound. Kenobi tells Ezra to ride the dew back north where he will find his way home. Maul
0: used your desire to do good, to deceive you. And in doing so, he has altered the course of many things. He knows your fears, your heart, and he manipulated the truth, which has led you here, where you should never have been. But the holocrons, they tell the truth. Do they? The truth is often what we make of it. You heard what you wanted to hear, believed what you wanted to believe. And now the only one who has gained anything from all of this is me. You must go now.
1: I led him to you. Let me make it right.
0: That is not your responsibility. I will mend this old wound. Ride north. That is your way out. Your way home. Mike, here a lot of uh, similarities to again uh, to Luke and Vader and and what that scene in Star Wars where he says, "No, I need you know this is something for me." Remember when in a, in a stormtrooper gear and he goes, "Hey, I want to go with you," and he's like, "No, this is uh, your your destiny lies somewhere else. I have to deal with this." And this is almost the same. I mean, he's doing the same thing with Ezra here. He's like, "No, they need you over there. I got this." Um, and he talks about some of the things that led him there, you know, some of the the uh, dark stuff that Ma was doing to get him there. But um, man, it's, like I said, it's just the parallels with with a new hope is is it's just right there. What do you think, Mike? You got any thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I it, this is this is just perfect, right? i yeah. have kind of already said that, but this is yeah. just it's exactly what you want. It's exactly the way that you want it. Um, it it's it's really excuse me um i did all that talking up front about rogue one wasted my voice um (laughs) it's uh it's it's it this is this is what 1999 it's this is yeah 17 years in the making yeah Uh, is that that right yeah i 18 years in the making i don't know Uh, how how far away are we we're two years away 18 years in the making so yeah um Jeez. Yeah, I it, and and this is all like this is the culmination of all that. Um, Darth Maul is a character that we thought was dead, and right. uh, and yet they brought him back in the Clone Wars and um, and made him an infinitely more fascinating character than before. Uh, and it's all been building towards this. Multiple confrontations with Obi Wan Kenobi, a battle against Darth Sidious. Um, you know, he was the ruler of Mandalore for a short time, had his own death watch. I, I screwed up the entire political, uh, infrastructure of, of, uh, of Mandalore and our characters are still dealing with that today. So Sabine's storyline would not happen without Darth Maul. Um. Mm -hmm. And obviously it intersects back into that, so that's all wrapped up. Sabine has the Darksaber, it's back in the hands of Mandalore, uh, where it belongs. In fact, it's it's hopefully gonna end up in the hands of of a of a just ruler of Mandalore. Um mm-hmm. And uh and the one thing that's left is this confrontation with with Obi Wan Kenobi and and Darth Maul's been out there and he's been screwing stuff up. He's been been messing with people's destinies, right? Uh, I, mm. What happened to Kanan? Um, and what's been happening to Ezra? Uh, it's all it's all part of this wound, and 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 Obi Wan is like, no, I'm gonna I'll, I'll mend the old wound. Like, like this is <laughs> he's basically yeah. saying like, this is my job, and he said this in the Clone Wars, right? It's like this is my job. This is I. I thought that I had killed him. I thought that I had defeated him. I have to basically finish what I started, right? Yeah. Um and so and so that's what's going to happen, right? And uh, and you know that it's building towards this. I uh, and uh, and it's perfect. It's just so good.
0: Yeah. Hey, he says the truth is uh is what we make of it so yeah. or what you make of it so that's what, that's the line you were talking about so yeah which um, which
1: echoes back to qui-gon and uh, your focus yeah. determines your reality it's kind of a combination of your focus determines your reality and mm-hmm. from a certain point of view right yeah, it's kind right. of putting those two two ideas together but
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's a great line uh, after ezra and chopper have left <clears throat> maul bids his apprentice farewell before turning his attention to kenobi Maul insults Kenobi by describing him as a rat in the desert. Kenobi counters by saying, look at what I have risen above. Maul tells Kenobi that he has come to kill him, but thinks it uh, it is worse to leave him here, festering in squalor. Kenobi responds that Maul has nothing because he solely defines himself by his power to take life and to dominate others. Maul ignites his double-bladed lightsaber and slashes at the sand, dousing the fire. Kenobi stands impassively as Maul asks him why he had come to Tatooine. Maul realizes that Kenobi is protecting someone, and in response, Kenobi ignites his
1: lightsaber. Why come to this place? Not simply to hide. Oh, you have a purpose here. Perhaps you are protecting something. No... Protecting someone.
0: <laughs> Mike, I, I tell you what, man. Watching this and, and seeing his expression, when he finds out that Maul knows why he's there um, protecting someone, instantly, Kenobi jumps to defense mode and, and you know... Not attack mode, but he knows what he has to do. He knows why he's there, and just those simple words um, ignite—you know—it just ignite the fire in a Kenobi, and, ign- and he ignites his lightsaber. And just, oh man, it just gives you chills. Like, wow, and and the fact that Maul is able to tap into Kenobi and kind of, you know, feel why he is there. Like he's thinking he's there just as, you know, you're just hiding out, you're just kind of living out your life as a hermit, but no, he figures it out. Now what a scene, uh, Mike, what do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got it. Um, it's it's just that, um, this intimate knowledge that these two characters have of each other. Um, and, yeah. and Maul knows there must be a reason why would why would Kenobi come back to Tatooine? Well, what came mm-hmm. from Tatooine, right? Yeah. Um, and and so you know, like I, I think that I think that Maul sort of figures. Yeah, he, he doesn't know all of the details, but he knows that there's a reason. He knows that there's significance to it. He I think that he knows from the moment that he realizes that it's Tatooine when he says, "You know, it, it ends where it all began." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this is all this is all feeding into that, right? Um, and it's just this perfect, perfect, like, like you're not going to get Obi-Wan to just fight you unless you, you push him. Right. Right. Um, and, and he does, he just, he pushes him just far enough to get him to ignite the lightsaber. And then they just size each other up. Right. They just, they just watch and, and, um, I, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit. But uh, actually, so I'm, let's, let's talk about it. Cause we're going to get, so I'm going to, I'm going to continue. <clears throat> yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Maul parries in response and the two men size each other up. Maul then lunges forward at the Jedi master and the two blades cl- clash. Following a brief exchange, Kenobi bisects Maul's lightsaber and inflicts a fatal wound to his chest. As Maul drops his bisected lightsabers and falls to the ground, Kenobi catches him and props up his fallen adversary. In his last moments, Maul asks if Kenobi is hiding the Chosen One. Kenobi confirms that this is true. Maul then says that the Chosen One will avenge us before passing away. Out of respect and pity, Kenobi closes Maul's eyes and sits beside his fallen adversary, beneath two of Tatooine's three moons.
0: Tell me. Is it the chosen one? He is. He will avenge us. Such an amazing scene. Mike, I'm going to let you go ahead and take the the lead on this one. Go ahead, and I'll I'll respond after you.
1: Yeah, um, so this is it. Like This is the moment that we've been waiting for, right? This battle between these two... um, these two just giants of of Star Wars mythic storytelling. Um, And it's this this battle that's been raging underneath the main Mm storyline since The Phantom Menace. And Maul is the one who killed Qui-Gon Jinn. Maul is the one from that moment who disrupted the destiny of who they thought was the Chosen One, Anakin Skywalker. Right. And obviously altered... Obi-Wan's path irrevocably, right? Um, Maul is the reason why Obi-Wan was put on the path to, in his eyes, screw up the, the, the training of Anakin Skywalker. Uh, mm-hmm. Had Qui-Gon been alive, things may have gone very, very differently. I think that they would have. Um, so there's a lot of weight that that, that carries. Um, he is also, you know, he killed, uh, uh, was it Addi Galia. That was with uh, him, or was it the other one that looks like Galea Right. Um, you
0: get him confused all the time. But I think yeah. it is. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, so he, he and Savage killed Addie Galea or the other one that looks like Addie Galea <laughs> Right in yeah. front of Obi Wan. Right. And Obi Wan barely made it out of that encounter. Only thanks to Hondo. Um and uh, And then of course Maul kills Duchess Satine,
0: right? Yeah. Who
1: is you know Obi Wan's first love? Maybe I don't know. We that's kind of unclear, but but certainly right. the most uh, significant romantic interest that the character has ever had, um, <clears throat> and uh, and and she dies in his arms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as did Qui Gon. And as does Darth Maul. And mm-hmm. I, I think over the course of their their history, certainly in the last, uh, let's say, like however long it's been, 15, 20 years, that, that Obi-Wan has been in the desert. So I guess probably around 16 or 17 years now. Um, mm-hmm. That he's been in the desert. He's had that time to really reflect on what happened. Um, with Darth Maul and Satine and everything that happened on Mandalore and the pain that it caused, not just him, but but the entire planet, that entire system and an entire culture of people, um, that Obi-Wan clearly cared for, uh, and not just Satine, but, but the entire situation on Mandalore was, it was important to him. It was something that he had fought to protect years earlier. And then again, during the Clone Wars, um, so this character comes to him this this the yin to his yang right uh, right and and obi-wan like it he he doesn't want to do this but this is exactly what I was hoping for you know we were talking last week about the idea that that obi-wan would kill maul and that Maul would be happy in that moment right mm-hmm. like that that's that that's the reason why Maul is looking for obi-wan That's why he's searching out Kenobi is for a proper death because he can't... Nothing else is going to stop him, obviously. Nothing else is going to stop him. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that that is both in terms of of uh, the destiny and fate of this character, as well as, you know, just storytelling. They were going to kill him at the end of season two. I'm sure that Kanan was probably going to be the one to do it. And they probably got there, wrote the scene, and then went, hold up, hold up, hold up. Kanan Jarrus can't be the one to kill Darth Maul. That doesn't make any sense. We brought this character back to life. We've caused all of this pain. We've destroyed Obi-Wan Kenobi. We've, I, I caused him more torment than almost any other character um or at least as much as the other major sith lord that he battles um, <clears throat> and then we let Kanan and Jarrus kill him no i don't think so so mm. so you know like it demanded this story demanded to be told i uh, did i want to see it in a film yes of course i did I it doesn't make sense that that they did it in this way. I think so. And Dave Filoni talks in the rebels recon that it was kind of their responsibility to finish this story because they're the ones who started it. So, yeah, um, I get that. That makes sense to me. And I'm okay with it, Um, especially because they did it so well. And the rest of this episode doesn't matter at all. Um, I don't think that Ezra needed to learn this lesson necessarily. It's fine that he did, but I don't think he needed to. Um, but to have him go back, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's his character's not irre- irrevocably changed, but you know, we got here to get to this point to get to this battle and this battle <clears throat> is the most elegant, beautiful lightsaber battle in the entirety of the star Wars saga thus far and is my favorite thus far. And, you know, there's wow. always the opportunity for them that's to, to top it. Yeah. But this is why this is what the prequel should have been more of. Um, it's the antithesis of the Battle of the Heroes and Revenge of the Sith in which the those two characters and, and like I'll explain why that's not a bad thing. Um, Obi-Wan and Anakin know each other incredibly well. They have taught one another. And pushed each other to become the Jedi that they are, right? Um, They know every move the other one's going to make before they make it. And that battle lasts forever. It is excessively long. And from a filmmaking standpoint, it's about 15 minutes longer than it should be. Uh, From a storytelling standpoint, it makes perfect sense. Neither one of those characters really wants to do what they have to do. Um, As much as Vader says that he does a lot of that's just posturing. I think Um, more than anything, I think Anakin just wants to put his lightsaber down and give up, but he can't because he's worried about Padme and he's under the control of Palpatine and he's, he believes that he's killed her and all of this stuff. Right. And Obi-Wan is the reason. So like he's forced into that, into that situation and they battle and they battle and they battle and Obi-Wan on the other side, Yoda tells him, you have to do it. You have to do it. It has to be you. Basically, finish what you started, right? Um, you're the only one. You're the only one left who can do this. And uh, But Obi-Wan doesn't want to kill Anakin. Right up until the end, he pleads with him. He says, don't do it, right? Yeah. So that's why that battle just goes on forever. Until finally, Obi-Wan says enough. And in the same way that he does... Here he just you give him the opening, and he just does it. He it's it's over, mm-hmm. and I think that with almost every battle that Obi Wan's been in since Dooku, I uh, I think because of the battle with Dooku, he he's studied and he knows he's the negotiator, and that's not just about the fact that you know he'll sit down and talk out the problem. He he negotiates the the problem. Right, And that includes lightsaber battles. So when you bring Darth Maul and Obi-Wan Kenobi together, this is exactly what I wanted. These are two of the most powerful Jedi slash Sith. The two of the most powerful uh, lightsaber-wielding Force users uh, that the galaxy has ever known. They are certainly two of the most interesting. And they are certainly two of my favorite. Uh, uh, One is my favorite. And the idea that they, they do battle for 30, 40, 50 minutes. Maybe they battle forever in those five seconds as their eyes dart back and forth and they size up each other's forms. And Obi-Wan moves, you know, he ignites his lightsaber and then he moves into form three. And then he moves into right. form one. And then he sort of like readies himself and they're sort of looking at each other and all the while Darth Maul is thinking, what do I do? How do I do this? And, Mm -hmm. and Maul's mistake is that instead of going for the smart move, he he's a Sith. So he goes, he acts based on passion, right? And he tries the same move that killed (laughs) Qui-Gon Jinn that Obi-Wan Kenobi stood there and watched. And so the second, That Obi-Wan sees that that's what he's doing. He sees his opening and he takes it. So Maul goes for the, for the, for the head, like the, the, the The saber smash to his head. Saber, right. Right. To try and smash the hilt to his head, just like he did to Qui-Gon. And Obi-Wan just one flick of the wrist and he brings that lightsaber down, slices that, that double-bladed saber in half and scores that the the only hit that's important and it's just enough he doesn't stab him he doesn't run him through it's not malicious it's not revenge it's not it's not i i anger anything anger yet it it's compassion it is honestly like this is the obi-wan kenobi is the greatest jedi who ever lived end of story period exclamation point another period <laughs> and if anybody wants to argue me this with me i will fight you physically obi-wan <laughs> kenobi is the greatest jedi is he the most powerful jedi no is he the wisest jedi no is he the most like like is he the best lightsaber fighter no other jedi have all of those aspects that that you know like if you look at them you know like one of those one of those charts where you've got the center and then you have all the, the arrays sticking out from it? And then you chart like all the points and you get kind of that spider web looking sort of chart? Mm-hmm. You know, Mace Windu is like, is he the wisest? No, he's pretty wise. He's alright, but he's not as wise as Yoda. Is he... Is he powerful? Eh, He's not really that high on the power level. He's sort of, he's a decent, he's a Jedi Master. He's on the Council. So he's decently powerful. Is he a great sword fighter? Yes, he's off the charts, right? Vapod, He's the greatest swordsman the Order has ever known, right? We know that. Anakin Mm. Skywalker, why is this? No, his wisdom doesn't even register on this chart. He's so stupid. He's Anakin Skywalker. (laughs) He's all, all, all passion.
0: Emotion. And
1: emotion. Or his sword fighting is pretty high up there. Uh, his power is just like. There isn't even a chart that can measure the power, right? Uh, Yoda, is he a great swordsman? Yes. Is he wise? Yes. Is he powerful? Yes. But, you know, like, like is he the perfect Jedi, though? No. He makes a lot of mistakes. He actually, uh, his overconfidence is his weakness. Um, and then you have Obi-Wan Kenobi and you look at him. And it's like he is all of the aspects of all of the Jedi, perfectly boiled down, and this is the best example of that. His greatest enemy, the the individual, has caused him possibly the most torment over the longest period of time
0: oh, he's in late his late life.
1: Now. Um, comes to him, confronts him, wants to fight him, wants to kill him, and and Obi Wan. Gives him a way out, right? He gives him what he what not what he deserves, not what, not what he wants, just what he needs, right? And that is, um, like a last moment, and and and, uh, a good death, and and a conclusion, to this character who, when we saw him the first time, we saw him after the Phantom Menace, was just in sheer pain. Mm -hmm. and turmoil and just just you know his anger was the only thing keeping him alive um and the and his power through the force through that anger was sustaining him and and what a terrible existence right and when obi-wan realizes who who darth maul is when he sees him again for the first time and he says "It, it it is you it's not with shock. It's not with awe. It's not with fear. It's with pity. It's just this, it's just this like sort of sadness of like, like my God, you're still alive. I cut (laughs) you in half. Mm -hmm. You fell down. What seemed like an endless pit and you're still alive and you're a monstrosity and like what happened. And, um, And as that goes on, I think he learns more and more and he sees more and more of this character who is just like no longer anything resembling a man, but just the dark side. And, um, and I think a lot like Obi-Wan, Darth Maul goes into seclusion after the Clone Wars and, and sort of goes, undergoes this evolution. And when we meet him in Rebels at the end of season two, he's a very different character, And I think he's a little bit wiser and he's a little bit, he's a little bit less angry, but that anger is still the thing that sustains him because it has Mm -hmm. to be right. He's half of a human. Well, a human, he's half of a man, right? And, and, and this is the thing that keeps him going is this confrontation with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he finally gets there and Obi-Wan just, he just, he finishes it. He just finishes Mm -hmm. it because there's more important stuff that he has mm-hmm. to take care of and, and Darth Maul's pain is no longer his priority. So he just ends it. And, mm-hmm. um, and in that moment, you know, he slices him and then he catches him and he lowers him to the ground. And he basically like, like, even though this, this monster just wreaked havoc on his life for so long, and I'm sure that the entire time that Obi Wan was on Tatooine up until this point, he was always looking over his shoulder. When's Maul gonna show up? He's never gone. He's never gone because he has no idea what happened to Darth Maul after, right? After he escapes Mandalore, right? Mm-hmm. He he takes off, and uh, and doesn't and has no idea about Palpatine, and 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 the death of Savage Opress and all that stuff. He doesn't know any of that. Um. So I'm sure that he was just like. He disappeared, but I thought he was dead before, and then he came back. So he's probably just always been like looking over his shoulder. But he, but he gives him these last rites, basically. Like he he allows Maul to die at peace, and and Maul asks him that question of like, is he the chosen one? And yeah. Kenobi's like, yes, he is, uh, and. And then Maul just says he will avenge us. Yeah. And um and and Obi Wan kind of like acknowledges it and, and is like, yeah, like yes, but no. Right? Mm-hmm. Um and I think at this point in the story that Obi Wan does think, you know, like he will. He's going to defeat that Luke is going to defeat Vader and Palpatine and restore the Jedi Order. That's what's going to happen. But is that what happens? No. Luke Luke transcends even even Obi Wan and Yoda, and and doesn't even get to this point. He throws down his lightsaber and says, "Like hey, you can, you can do whatever you want, but I won't let you taint me with the dark side." Which which is even more than what Obi Wan does here. Um, but yeah, it's just like th- this is why Obi Wan Kenobi is is my favorite Star Wars character. A scene like mm-hmm. this where. Yeah. You know, like he can treat his greatest enemy with the utmost respect. Because yeah. at the end of the day, he is compassionate and kind, and that is what makes Obi-Wan Kenobi a great hero. Um and and it's and it is possibly the the greatest trait that he passes on to Luke mm-hmm. in teaching Luke. And uh and yeah. I, I just, I, I thought it was so fantastic. It's such a short battle. It's that epitome of the samurai battle. It's, yeah. it's three moves and it's done. Um, and, and it all happens, it all happens in the subtext. It all happens in those like, sort of like the, the, the eye movements and, and they play mm. out an infinite battle with, with infinite moves and, and the chess game is over before it begins. Um, yeah. and that is just like that's star wars no other story can tell like no other series no other franchise can tell this story in this way um mm-hmm. to span such a long time to be so epic and to end in such a perfect perfect way this culmination it was so good uh series finale you know like like cut to black we're done yeah uh, Oh, for sure I, Yeah. I, But uh, obviously there's a lot more story to tell with Ezra and Kanan and all of them. But yeah,
0: yeah. I got to say, like you said, this is, you know, this character has been around for 18 years talking about Maul here. Um, He's been the, since he came back years ago in the clone wars, his sole purpose, like you said, he's, he's always been focused on one thing and that's Kenobi. And we finally got that here. And at first it was a it was a a fight where a lot of people were a little upset about that, you know, because they're thinking, oh, Duel of Fates is going to be crazy. And then at first, I thought the same thing, like, wow, that was pretty quick. And then you certainly you suddenly realize, like, it makes total sense. And then when you watch the recon, and Dave Filoni explains the reason, and you you laid it out perfectly, Mike. It's like it makes so much sense now that these guys know each other so well, and like you said. In that moment, when they're they're facing off, they're playing out fights like you said, like a chess match in their heads. And when they finally get down to it, it's it's that one move. You know, Kenobi knows he's going for the uh, for the old headbutt and the uh, the hilt butt or whatever you want to call it. And it's over that quick. And so it, it, you're exactly right. It's a samurai thing. It's it was all just a huge samurai vibe, and it makes total sense why they would do this. And a lot of people were upset. About how could this be a two second fight? And we talked earlier before we went on about guys that were pissed off on Twitter. Like, this is the worst episode ever. And it's like, you got to understand what's going on with these characters. You got to do your homework on this stuff. And, and i I got to give it to him, man. Like, I don't know that I would have came up with that stuff, you know, to to go back and go, this is what would have happened. He, they're playing out the fight in their mind. They know each other so well. He would have used the same stuff he would have tried on Qui-Gon because that worked um, so easily for him back 18 years ago. But, man, it's just, oh, man, it was so good. And the fact that, here's the thing that really got me too, Mike, is when Maul's sitting there and goes, he will avenge us, like you said. He, he's telling Obi-Wan, like, uh, the Chosen One will mm-hmm. avenge us. Like, here is Maul. Like, we know that he was supposed to be involved from episode one with, with, with Palpatine and this whole rise of the empire, he was supposed to be the right hand man. And then when he got cut in half, he was left to die. And, and now he has this, he tried to get back with, with the emperor, with him and Savage. And they had this big fight. Like you shouldn't, you know, here's, here's Sidious telling me you you shouldn't have come back. And he tries to kill him there. And it's just been this, you almost feel bad for Maul, Like, He's just been left to to die and 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 waste in in the in the squalor of this garbage heap, you know. Back when we first found him, yeah. And here he is, finally saying like he will avenge us. You know, he's going to get back at at Darth Sidious Palpatine for both of us. You know, he's going to end it for both of us. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh man, that's just so good. And the fact that he's they're acknowledging that Luke is kind of the chosen one now. You know, maybe it wasn't Anakin. You know, we. We debated this a lot. You know, who is it? Anakin? Is it is it Luke? So I mean, you said it all, Mike. It was fantastic. And the more I watched it, and then when I saw that recon, it just it really blew me away. I just loved what they did with it. And um, I guess let's uh let's finish it up and and talk about the end here. Ezra and Chopper fly mall ship uh, night brother back to Atalon. Upon entering the atmosphere, they are escorted to Chopper base by two A-wings. After the two rebels disembark, Ezra tells his rebel comrades that they won't be seeing Maul again. He apologizes to Hera and Kanan for running off and tells them that the rebellion is where he is supposed to be. Ezra adds that his fellow rebels are his family and that they are supposed to go home. Meanwhile, Kenobi rides his dupe back towards the Lars Moisture Farm. Over the horizon, he hears Baru calling out to her step-nephew Luke. Kenobi smiles as he watches a silhouette of Luke heading home. I'm oh, sorry. I screwed it up. Here, here it is. Hold on. Here we go. No, no. And I gotta tell you, Mike. I'm gonna let this play for a second here. There are, there are times, I've said this before on this podcast and on The Clone Wars, where I'm watching this and there's just certain scenes where I just sit and I just I stare at the screen for a minute and the credits are rolling and I'm not saying anything and I'm just I'm just watching and I'm just like, I get chills listening to that again. Like, I've seen that scene three or four times. And you know what? It's one of those scenes where it didn't have to be in there, but yeah. the fact that it is, I... I just I love it and I, I'm getting chills just thinking about it and just talking about it like to see the young Luke who is around Ezra's age running as you get the classic Baru calling him and you see Obi-Wan walking around and he just kind of like he, he's watching over him and, and like I said he didn't ne- necessarily need that but I'm so glad that Filoni put that in and he had a reason for putting that in like and I can't remember exactly what the reason was but for all of us that, that know where this is going and and to see him and that he's looking over Luke, it's just, oh, it was such a fantastic ending. It's one of those endings where I'm going to look back and go, I remember, that. you know, it was like Ahsoka leaving the Order. That was one of those moments that I just like, wow, it just caught me off guard. And I just loved it um, in Rebels as far as Ahsoka and the Vader fight last season. And this, this scene here just, oh, man, I can't tell you how much I love this thing. Uh, you got any any thoughts on this, Mike?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I thought it was great. I wonder what happened to the do Because <laughs> we don't see it in a new home. <laughs> That's right. Um, right. Obi Wan owned a do back and, and yeah. um I hate it. Uh of course Obi Wan owned a do He also rode Boga and and he likes to ride dragons, it's his deal. Um it's one of the things that makes him one of my favorite characters. Uh, yeah. i I yeah, it, it <laughs> um but the scene itself is actually it's pretty great and ending on that music and having it carry over to the, to the end credits. Um, yeah. It's always great. I think it's always great when they, when they get there with the, with the show to the point where it's like, okay, we're so used to it being X the end of the show. It's like, okay, it's the end of the episode. And then it goes like whatever. And then it's the yeah, end. And right. then it yeah. does the theme song. Right. Um, to have it go into, what is technically called Obi-wan's theme mm. uh, I from a new hope um, right yeah, that's Obi-wan's theme I'm pretty sure it is um, yeah is and, to, and to see Luke standing uh, where where he stands uh really famously in a new hope to to watch yeah. the sunset um, yeah. which is where that music plays right? Uh, right. It's just that's it's, probably what he was doing,
0: staring at the suns.
1: Again, exactly. It know, was. It's down. just yeah. sort of this moment of like soon, you yeah. know. And I think Obi Wan knows soon. It's getting close. Yeah. Right. Right. <clears throat> um, Fantastic. So yeah, it's it's really it's really an awesome end. Um, I don't know what they got in store for us on Saturday, but but this was pretty great, and it would have been a great way to go uh, with the season was on on mm-hmm. this note um but yeah. i guess we're gonna get a, an hour-long season finale with a lot of explosions and mandalorians fighting imperials and and yeah. uh, the the battle for uh ron yeah, but uh yeah. we'll have to wait and see we will have yeah. to wait and see yeah um, this episode yeah, um, so good yeah
0: this episode again it, it had some you know a lot of people were or sided on different sides, but I gotta tell you, I think we all would agree that some of these scenes, especially this last what 10 minutes or so, just some of the some of the, some great Star Wars in general that uh that happened here. So I'm really happy about that. And you can, I'm sure we will debate back and forth as as we go on about this episode and where it ranks and all that, but man, yeah. that that ending is just just great and how they could have changed it and all that, but whatever it was. Fantastic stuff. So we got a couple of um thoughts on this episode, Mike. Let's uh let's check out the mailbag.
1: What message? The Rebels Podcast.
0: Mailbag. To club. Um, mailbag. The council is asking
1: you. Yeah.
0: All right, I'll take the first one. is from Bob Willicki. He says, Well, just saw the episode. Uh, and while on the whole I felt a very solid episode with an emotional, satisfying ending, I also felt that it was ultimately a bit of a letdown. I don't think I'm nitpicking. And in a twenty-two-minute episode, there's a lot to pack in. I guess I just wanted to see more drama and payoff in the Obi-Wan versus Maul storyline. I didn't expect Maul to be such a pushover, for lack of a better word. Perhaps less time with Ezra whining in his hand, a la Anakin, and more time on the main event would really give this episode an emotional arc it deserved. Furthermore, I felt the interaction between Ezra and Obi-Wan to be lacking in heft and depth. This was a great opportunity that could have cemented Ezra's importance in the Star Wars universe. As it stands now, Obi-Wan basically diminishes Ezra's importance in the grand scheme of things. And what of the rebellion? Ezra's mention of this should have been really piqued his interest in Ezra more so than the dismissive, you're in the wrong place. Now, uh, I know Obi-Wan's role is to train Luke, but why would he not want more force sensitives to assist in this journey? I'll be interested in hearing all your thoughts on this. Thanks, guys. Uh, great show once again. So, uh, a couple things in your mic. And I, I know, like, as far as the importance of like Ezra and, and Luke, and he makes a point like they end on this with Obi Wan looking over at Luke, and like you're like, okay, yeah, yeah it's all about Luke. So it is kind of like pushing Ezra to the side a little bit, and and we don't know where this is gonna go. This is what's kind of crazy about this. Like Ezra's got to have some kind of conclusion on this, and and we're probably obviously gonna get it in season four, but. Uh, what do you think of Bob's commentary? Like is, we kind of talked about what's going on as far as this episode, and like yeah, we understand that. I don't know if it was a letdown, but this the last part of it, the last act, really made up for for the rest of the mm-hmm. for the rest of the story. I think um, we can debate again. We can debate on whether you know it should have been more Obi Wan and Maul and stuff like that. But I think Rebels Recon and what they did kind of explained everything that we needed to know and why they went in that particular route. So um, you want to make make any comments on what
1: Bob's saying here, Mike? Yeah, well, I I think I think I I, as far as I'm concerned, Obi-Wan, Yoda and Qui-Gon are all in contact. Um, Mm. You know, they may be spread across the galaxy and, you know, into the into the netherworld. But um, the force makes it easy on their long distance minutes, so. I I think that they're they're all planning out the next move. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Yoda is unaware of what is happening, um, and we know that Yoda is is involved in Ezra's training um, mm-hmm. because we've seen it. <laughs> yeah. um, we've seen Yoda, so I uh, that that says to me that like they know they have a lot of time to sit and think about this stuff, uh, to contemplate and to, uh, I determine for themselves, which way the force is pushing things, what direction these, these characters are heading in. And mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's first words to Ezra is you're in the wrong place. He's literally somewhere. He should not be. He is supposed to be on Adalon. He is supposed to be with the rebels. He is supposed to be in the battle that's coming up. And whatever happens after that. He has a destiny. He has a fate. Um, and that fate lies along a different path from Luke. Mm-hmm. I, I, no different than, than when Obi-Wan says, you know, my path, my fate lies along a different path. Uh, when he says that to Luke on on the Death Star, right? Like he, they they have different purposes, and and Obi Wan knows that. We don't know what it is yet, but Obi Wan does, and and I trust that. I and and Obi Wan knows that because I think that Dave knows that. So, um, yeah, sure. Would would Obi Wan love to train a new Jedi Order? Sure, if they weren't all going to be hunted down and killed by Darth Vader, mm-hmm. I'm sure he would love that but that's not the situation. The situation is that Darth Vader and the emperor are out there and they, the higher a profile they keep, the more likely it is that all they'll do is, is put themselves right into the emperor's clutches again. Mm -hmm. Um, and play right into another one of his traps, which Luke does time and time again. Um, Obi-Wan's exact fears, right? Um, so would he want to lessen that risk by keeping the force users spread apart? Like why don't Obi-Wan and Yoda go to the same place? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, because, because they're two of the most powerful force users in the galaxy. Uh, and they're going to be a more significant blip as the both of them as, as opposed to being separate. So, um, yeah, I, I think that they have to remain secret. They have to remain hidden. And Mm -hmm. in order for that to happen, Ezra and Luke have to be separate and hidden as well. Um, um, so yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on that.
0: Yeah. Just before you get to the next one, I, I'll just say like, of course, I did think it was a satisfying ending, like, like Bob says. And yeah, I'm sure we would have loved to have more Maul and Obi-Wan, but um, the way they did it, I'm totally fine with that now. So, uh, and, and here's the thing with Ezra, like I think Obi-Wan obviously knows that Ezra's not the chosen one. Um, so although, so he's kind of dismissive of Ezra, like, "Hey, yeah, like you said, Mike, we don't need you here. We need you doing stuff with the with the Rebel Alliance over there. You're better serve there. You're not, you know. I, I know you're not the chosen one, so I'm not gonna take you under my wing and train you and all this thing. So maybe that's why he kind of dismisses Ezra and sort of kind of gets him out of there. Like you, your path lies on a different,
1: well, your I, destiny I, lies on a different path too. Ezra so. also has a master, so you know, like Luke, Luke and Obi Wan. Ezra yeah. doesn't need Obi Wan. Ezra has. Kanan. We went right. through this in season one. Right? Mm. Uh Kanan wanted to hand off Ezra to uh to to Luminara? I think it was Unduli. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Um yeah, Baris Alphys, uh uh master. Um yeah, like like Kanan wanted to do that and then he realized no, this is this is where we're meant to be. I'm meant to be his teacher Mm -hmm. his master and and he's meant to be my padawan so yeah like that that is that's they're they're where they're meant to be and ezra says it at the end of the episode he's like i I see it now i understand um Mm -hmm. and that's because darth maul has been removed from the game and and once darth maul has been removed everything can kind of you know iron itself back out because he's this wrinkle that keeps popping up and ruining Mm -hmm. everything but now he's gone he's not part of that anymore that that ripple in the force is is dealt with. Um the old wound is closed. So, you know, Ezra Ezra can see clearly, because um, Maul is no longer pulling at him, which I think mm-hmm. he has been for the for the majority of this season. Um right. sort of like like just sort of at the edge of his mind pulling him in different directions. So mm-hmm. Yeah, let's
0: do, let's do uh, the last one, Mike. You sure. Can you and
1: take it? Uh, this one comes from Michael, I'm going to say, Luchero? Lucero? Lucero? Okay, Lucero, Lucero, yeah. Lucero, something like that. I have a lot of mixed feelings about this episode. Overall, I loved it. I've been agreeing with you both in terms of wishing this was a longer, maybe four-episode story arc. But now having seen it, I like the way they pulled it off as one single episode. I really like the idea of dipping just a toe into core Star Wars mythology. Obi-Wan, Maul, a fleeting glimpse of Luke, that ending musical theme, as a way of preparing Ezra for the season finale. And I absolutely love Stephen Stanton as Guinness-era Obi-Wan. Just perfect. That being said, I think its larger context in season 3 only serves to underline the lack of solid character arcs and consistent consistent story threading this year. Had the season overall been strong and consistent, Twin Sons would have, again, been a perfect stepping stone into a great finale. But the way they've been diluting Ezra and the Ghost Crew's character arcs and plot threads with slapdash filler episodes, Twin Sons at worst feels just as random and erratic as the rest of the season had been. At best, it's an island of quality and efficient storytelling. But without taking anything away from it, I do feel that it just reminds me of what this season could have been and just wasn't. Hmm. I I don't even I have nothing to say on top of that. That is perfectly put. Um, wow. Yeah, like, I totally agree with that. I totally agree. I The Obi-Wan-Darth Maul aspect of this storyline is, like, gourmet food. It is perfect. It is, it is like, exquisite. It's exactly what you mm-hmm. need. It's that little tiny bit on the plate, but you eat it, and it's like, oh, I'm full. I'm good. It's, it's rich, right? Mm-hmm. Even though there's not a lot there, it's rich. Um, the rest of this season with the exception of a few moments and, and a couple of episodes um, <clears throat> has felt a lot like fast food where uh, you eat it. And then half an hour later, you're hungry again. Um, mm-hmm. I've honestly been feeling a lot like, like I've been forgetting to watch episodes. There was a couple episodes that like, I didn't watch until Sunday because I just forgot that rebels was on. Uh, mm-hmm. and that never happened with the clone wars. Uh, not even at its worst in like season one and two. Uh, mm-hmm. which I would say is, was, well, I mean like sunny day in the void is the worst. That's the worst episode of the series, but that's in the midst of an otherwise perfect, awesome season. If I go back and look at that season, season five is so good. Um, it includes the Darth Maul Mandalorian story. Arc. Uh, mm-hmm. so of course it's great, but, but, um, yeah, at worst, you know, it, Clone Wars was way better than Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, at least this season. Um, and and this season's just kind of been. I don't know. I, it's that kind of, uh, the the random and erratic. I think is. I was just gonna say is, that it's <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Um, uh, because that's exactly what it's been. It's just like it's, it's it's, yeah.
0: I was gonna say the same thing. I think it's erratic too. That's a good. That's a good phrase because, basically, this season is about, Maul and Kenobi. And it's about um, Thrawn. and it sounds you know it seems like we don't have a lot of episodes. So what do you do with the rest of it? And that's where you get some of this erraticness. And I I think this will end up being uh, I, I still think season two right now um, is top for me. Um, and maybe I have to rewatch one again to see where that would fit to see if I put it above three, which um, which I might. Uh, at, but I, you know, again, I have to watch season one again and see how I feel. But um, yeah, this is that's that's a great way to put a random in or out it, because it's all about Theron and what is his ultimate, uh, which we'll find out this week or this next week, uh, what his ultimate uh, story is going to be. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I can't much I can't. That's a great email right there. It pretty yeah. much sums up what's going on. So thank you to Mike and Bob yeah, for yeah, yeah, write
1: right in more often, man. That would, yeah, like,
0: that's, that's a great style. email. Well put. Well put. Yeah. Before we uh, sign off, though, um, next week is it, folks. The yep. season finale of season three of Star Wars Rebels, entitled Zero Hour, Zero Hour Parts 1 and 2. In the final preparations for Phoenix Squadron's attack on Lethal, Grad Admiral Thrawn discovers their location and disrupts their plans. And with the, hel- and with the rebel base under siege, Harry and Kanan fight to keep the squadron alive as Ezra attempts to rally help from an unexpected source. Everything leading up to this moment has been rehearsal. The real performance is about to begin. He's launching the first wave.
1: All ships, battle stations.
0: Hang on to something. Incoming! only chance for help.
1: It cuts off. This rebellion ends today. I'm not ready to give up yet.
0: May the force be with me. Star Wars Rebels one-hour event, Saturday, March 25th, anywhere you can watch Disney XD. There you go, folks. Uh, Zero Hour is coming up. Very, sounds incredible. Uh, going to be tons of action, it looks like. Uh, Thrawn and the Rebels and Phoenix Squadron on the Thal. This is where it's going to happen. This is uh, big-time stuff coming up, man. I'm really excited about that, especially after hearing that little tease right there, little trailer. Uh, Mike, are you excited about this one?
1: uh yeah sure why not uh, sure <laughs> come on there you go All yeah no right. <laughs> uh it looks like a lot of really cool action it looks like it's going to be going to be a lot of fun um yeah and the mandalorians come back uh yeah,
0: yeah. can't help but can feel was... like that would be a bigger yeah. deal
1: if the mandalorian story arc had happened at the beginning of the season instead of towards the end but um you know, like well, if, if Sabine had been gone for like 10, 12 yeah. episodes and then all know, of a sudden yeah, he's right. got to go to her to get it's like it's like, oh, we have to go to Sabine. It was like, yeah, well, she just left like a couple of weeks ago, so it shouldn't be that big. Of right. a deal. I know. I didn't uh, expect
0: her back so fast, yeah. but kind of a spoiler. But um, they put it in the trailer. Yeah. So I, it's yeah, I, it's I, in I, the trailer. It's in the trailer. Yeah. So um, she's coming back. Whew, I don't know. Yeah. it's all about Thrawn, right? Like, what's going to happen? Yeah. I don't know. We, we don't know if he's going to make it through this or not. Like, what's his ultimate? And we'll find, once this episode airs, we'll kind of get an idea of where they might be going with Thrawn if he makes it to next year or not. So, yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: some uh, some big stuff kind of on the line here with this episode. So, looking forward to that. So, uh, I guess that'll do it for this week, though,
1: huh? Yeah, that's it for this week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, you can stay up to the la- up to date with all the latest star Wars rebels news by heading to Rebelspodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash rebels podcast and on Twitter at rebels podcast. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Arkwolf a R K W U L F. You can follow Matt as well. He's at the crankster. Please yes. be kind to both of us and don't tell us that we're dumb on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> we will mute you. Uh, <laughs> I that's <laughs> a bit of an inside yeah. joke. And maybe a couple people saw the discourse Correct. that took place earlier today. But <laughs> uh I uh, be nice. Just just be nice. It's just a good yeah. rule. Um, we're nice. just think what would Obi-Wan Kenobi do. I yeah. if you like this podcast, you want to support us, you can do that by head oh, sorry, I'm skipping over it. Uh we're part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to Thunderquack.com. To check out all the other great podcasts in the network. Like, you know, Star Wars The Saga Continues, or maybe Talking Time Lords, or, you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, uh, if you like what you hear, you can support us by heading to uh, store.thunderquack.com, picking up some cool Star Wars Rebels-inspired merchandise. Uh, and uh, and you can also support us over on Patreon, patreon.com thunderquack, uh, to uh, uh, pledge your support and get some cool rewards. Uh, but that's it for us this week and we will see you guys next week for the season finale zero hour
0: see you guys next week